Hi, my name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Graham Bradbeer and we're talking on the fascinating topic of the evangelism tension in chaplaincy and what a tension it is at times. Graham has been involved in school chaplaincy for decades. He's going to share about that with us and talk about this tension. Welcome to you, Graham. Thank you, Tina. It's nice to be with you. It's fabulous to actually talk to people that have the runs on the board. And personally, I love listening to the stories and gaining the wisdom. Tell us a little bit about the chaplaincy role that you were in. It was way back in 1984, I uh, was appointed as a chaplain at a boys' school. And I stayed there until 2013, so I had 30 years in the school, which sounds like a long time, but there are people who are there longer than me. <laughs> so one of the first things I had to do is to work out how to manage the various opportunities you had, because there were opportunities everywhere you looked, really. That was, I guess, part of the challenge. But uh, I loved it. wouldn't have stayed, obviously, if it, if it hadn't been something I enjoyed. And now that I'm retired, I've gone back part-time into a parish uh, just because I wanted to continue ministering in whatever way I could. Amazing. You don't look a day over 30, Graham. <laughs> Camera's been kind. <laughs> So tell us about your work as a school chaplain. You know, what mindset did you go in with? Because I think sometimes we can, not always, but some chaplains, we can have a mindset that we are there to largely declare or approach our Christianity or have Jesus seen somehow. What what was your mindset of managing that tension? In my case, I worked for two years with my predecessor, uh, who was on the cusp of retirement. And uh, the first thing in any school you discover is that the real work's done in the classroom. Uh, what happens in the classroom is the school in operation. So it's really the teacher and the kids. And uh, we had to have resources. We had to have a curriculum. Uh, the curriculum needed to be updated. And we developed a Christian ed curriculum. We resourced it. And we got a team together to teach it. But at the same time, the school had a formal side to it where they had an assembly, school assembly, three times a week. So if you can imagine a, a gathering of 800 to 1,000 boys, and the ritual is uh, very formal. There's a, a doxology is sung, uh, the prefect reads a Bible reading, the school sings a hymn, the chaplain says something about the Bible reading and leads in prayer, get the notices of the day, guests are invited to speak, uh, prizes are awarded, uh, the sports results are shared, anything other news is uh, made known to all the boys. It's it's kind of the one place where the whole school got together. And uh, that was a, a suddenly plunged into that role. Instead of being in a small country church, I was in a pulpit with uh, all these people in front of me, including 50 staff at least. That was pretty confronting and you have to work out 
what's going to be useful for the school to hear, what Bible reading, what hymn might accompany that, uh, what will the boys sing. And so it's really the first part of the assembly is an invitation to worship. And the boys can enter that as wholeheartedly as they like or as uninterestedly uh, as they can manage. And there's the flick stream uh, range, really. Uh, those were the two main challenges initially, the classroom and the assembly for me. And to, to work out what scripture would be helpful for the school to hear. And, I, and I'm happy to say that the most common question I was asked was, how did I work out what to say in assembly? Because the boys seemed to find, although obviously there were some times it was pretty flat, they mostly seemed to find times when it was something that they could connect with if they wanted to. And I had the pleasure of occasionally teachers telling me that they used what I said to kick off their lesson in English or in history or in languages or something like that, because the Bible connects to all of those things. So you just need to make the connections as you share with the school. Graham, how important is it as a chaplain to be living out the life or being Christ-like? How important is that in the journey of people thinking about faith around you? Uh, it's extremely important. It's more important than actually talking about it. Every year, staff at the school had either an interview or an assessment or a review, one every three years, and uh, always had to fill out what's, you know, what's your goal at the school, what, what are you aiming to do. And the first thing I always said I was aiming to do was to represent Christ in the community and encourage others to, to do the same. So actually, it's, it's, it's about stepping down. You know, we're, it's a, a great challenge. Uh, it's a great challenge to seek downward mobility. Um, who wants that? Nobody in our society really pursues downward mobility, but that's what Christ did. And so we have to try and make that seem realistic, um, that there are things that we can do without and there are things that enrich us that we can find at no, no, no monetary cost. So um, embodying uh, Christ as best we can, walking in the strength of the Spirit of God, really is, is central to, to all, all chaplaincy, I'd say, to all Christian ministry, really. It's not a, an optional extra. It's the core. Yes, if you reflect back over your years and years of being such an effective chaplain, what would you say were the top two qualities that people would have noticed in you as a chaplain that would have been giving them things to think about, so to speak, about the Christian faith? I had a, an amazing experience last week. I, I went to see a young man who's had two life-changing surgeries. Let me be vague, as vague as that. Uh, one when he was uh, in year 10 and one uh, 11 years later. And uh, against all the odds, he got a good job and a working man now, and he got married a couple of years ago. And ag against all the odds, they had a baby. And I went to see the baby with my wife uh, on Saturday morning. They invited us around for tea. And I had the pleasure of telling him that his tutor from school, whom I'd met the previous week at a dinner, he said to give him his best regards, that tutor used to go in every Friday to see this boy in hospital. He's in hospital for years. Uh, and he went in to see the boy and get his footy tips. Uh, and that was really his pretext, to go and see this, this boy who was uh, really at death's door. Um, and now, uh, what, 18 years later or something, he still sends the family a Christmas card. 
So there was me as the chaplain thinking I was keeping an eye on this, this young man and uh, we've been praying for him for years. But unbeknown to me, his tutor from school was also keeping an eye on him. And although he hadn't seen him for a lot longer than me and hasn't been involved in things like his marriage and so on, which I conducted, uh, nevertheless, he's got an ongoing interest in and And you just feel there's a sort of shared concern for the welfare of that young man. And also uh, an opportunity for me to share with, with that man who's, who's long retired himself, but has kept a pastoral interest in the boy, the young man. So that's a, it's a lovely confluence that the gospel has given me this opportunity, and we, we're all on the same page as, in terms of what we want practically. If, if all of us can see that it comes from the invitation of Jesus uh, to love one another, uh, to serve one another, then that's going to be an even bigger bonus for me. But you know, I'm not, I'm not banging that drum at the moment. I'm just saying that that ministry is long term, and you have to be prepared to wait long term, and not what instant results. Jim Packer was a great influence on me in this regard when he said that if you come to your evangelism with a formula, then what you're doing is impersonal evangelism. What chaplains need to do is to be engaged in getting to know the persons to whom they're ministering and minister personally over time. Uh, it might be quicker than you think. I mean, uh, every second year I instituted uh, a kind of a mission week at school to deliver a pointy end, a challenge to boys to believe in Christ. And that meant that we could e evangelize the boys explicitly. But we only did it every second year because I was concerned that it would be boys would end up saying, oh, I had it rammed down my throat at school. And the last thing I wanted was boys to say I was inoculated against Christianity at school by, by my chaplain. Yes, absolutely. How important, Graham, was it over the years to not abuse the privilege of access to people's lives? It's important not to abuse that privilege. And what's uh, acceptable in, in, in business, think, for example, you can't just override it in the interests of saying, oh, well, it's a Christian thing. Uh, for example, we, I don't give out e emails or, or uh, telephone numbers unless I have the permission of the person whose number it is. Um, and so our personal information uh, is confidential unless it's in the public domain. My information is in the public domain, at, at, like my telephone number, for example, so it's easily found. But uh, you need to respect that. And, and you know, when, when I was a young, I, you know, you often heard people saying, you know, uh, perhaps I shouldn't really tell you this, but I think it might be good for you to pray about it, you know. So you start gossiping uh, about something that, you, you know, you, you shouldn't really be passing on. And uh, I think Nicky Gumbel says if you're not part of the, the problem uh, and you're not part of the solution, you know, it, if you're talking about it, it's gossip. And, and gossip is really uh, is one of the cardinal sins. I mean, we, we, we tend to have a hierarchy of sins in our heads, but the Bible puts malice, ill will, gossip, you know, perjury, uh, all of these things are offensive because God's interested in the truth. And unless we're speaking the truth in love, it's that lovely passage in Ephesians, it's actually truthing in love, it says, so that um, we shouldn't be engaged in, in passing on information unless we're speaking the truth in love. 
Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the staff. Um, as a chaplain, you had many staff that were around you and you're also managing this tension of this evangelism tension that you're there as the chaplain and, of course, you'd love people having that opportunity to know more about Christ. How did you go about your job with the staff and being mindful of them? I was involved with the staff in, in many ways. Um, uh, you, have, you have morning coffee with the staff, you talk to them, uh, you, you meet, as needs arise, you meet them. Uh, I, I remember we had a young member of staff who uh, contracted Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a terrible sy syndrome, which uh, unless you've heard of it, it paralyzes the entire body. And this young woman was in Fairfield Hospital, paralyzed, and then unable to breathe without help. So she was on a ventilator, and she had a puncture hole in her neck for the ventilator. Uh, so she couldn't speak. And I used to visit her each week and talk to her mother and her brother. And eventually she recovered. That's the amazing thing about Guillain-Barre. Uh, if you get it early enough, you can start treatment and be your life can be saved. Just being there for her. I, uh, that same year, I visited another person in intensive care regularly for uh, several months, just because there were staff and they were going through a crisis in their lives. So you, you're actually not just in the classroom and not just in the common room and not just in the assembly, but you're invited to meet them in a place of crisis. And But just to let the concern of going to represent your colleagues and say, look, we're distressed to have you absent and um, we're missing you badly and I'm here as chaplain and uh, I'd like to pray for you. And I could count on my hand, one hand, a number of times people said, no, don't pray for me. Uh, almost always people are glad of prayer. So getting involved with them and then working in teams with them and getting to know parents as well. Um, there are opportunities for that. And so I got to know some parents very well, and I've kept up some friendships, and uh, I'm in the past staff club, so I see my former colleagues uh, several times a year if I want. Yeah, so school chaplaincy, it really is a, it's a community, isn't it? It's really inserting yourself into a community for a long time. Did, did you see that as your approach, that I'm here for a long time to be measured in everything that I'm doing? Certainly a community. So you are getting involved in a community. And and it became obvious to me that it was going to be long term. I mean, it was extremely satisfying, which made it a pleasure. It repaid the effort. I remember I had one term at school where I told the boys at the start of term, I'd put a line from a U2 song in every assembly address this term. And the ones, whoever got the playlist would get a an iPod it was way back in those old days. And sure enough, two boys worked together to make sure they covered all the assemblies and they came with their closest, almost the complete playlist. So I gave them the iPad and then later on I said, how do you go with that iPad? They said, oh, we sold it to uh, make money for charity because they, had a, <laughs> they were raising funds for, for charity at the time. Mm. There are lots of opportunities there as we engage with the community, uh, with our educational peers and, and with the community as teachers, and, and, and pastorally to the wider school community to witness to the, the role of Christ in making life coherent. And we have that goal of to present everyone mature in Christ, a wonderful, wonderful privilege. 
Yes. Amen. Well, Graham, this has been a fascinating discussion and I can hear by your tone of voice and explanations such a kind and effective chapter than you were. So I'm going to drop in the show notes how you can stay connected to Graham today with as he leads a church in Melbourne. Graham, thank you so much for your time today and for your insights and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Tina. Very kind. Thanks so much for listening to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.